This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. Where did it come from? What uh, what caused this? Now here again, you see, we have to be very careful because Christian teaching is that God is good, God is sovereign. This means that nothing can happen in his world, in the world that he has made, without his say-so. That if God wanted to get rid of evil, he could do it just like that. I mean, it's, evil does not exist because God cannot do anything about it. <laughs> you know, it's not that he is powerless to deal with it. This is not the cause of evil. But a lot of people over the years have thought that this is the problem. Uh, they have held a view that good and evil are opposing forces, yes, real forces, but that they are independent of each other. So, you know, rather like in the days of the Cold War, uh, you know, the United States and the Soviet Union, it wasn't that one controlled the other. Uh, they were two independent powers. Um, and, and, and one could not control the other. I mean, if you couldn't just sort of, you know, uh, wave a magic wand and get rid of the opposition. I mean, it had to be sort of dealt with in a different sort of way. Um, is the universe like this? Uh, and, and Christians have to say, no, God is in control. You see, that the, the power of Satan, the power of the devil, is not um, equal to his power. Well, uh, all right, uh, so where does Satan come from and, and why does he have any power at all? Uh, you know, where, where, what's going on here? And the Bible does not actually say a great deal about this. I mean, we are faced with the reality of Satan, of course, but we are not told in great detail um, as to what happened. We have to piece it together. Uh, from uh, various statements that are made and from logical deductions as to what must have happened, uh, you know, in order to get where we are, even if we don't know the full uh, extent of the, uh, uh, of the problem. The first thing that we have to say is that Satan must have been created good. Satan is a creature made by God, God does not make anything which is intrinsically evil. So Satan is not evil by nature. Satan is evil by choice. You see, by rebellion of some kind. We don't know when that rebellion occurred. 
But it was a spiritual thing that occurred in the spiritual realm and was already present when God made uh, Adam and Eve. Because, of course, if it hadn't been present, the serpent would never have gone into the garden. There wouldn't have been uh, the possibility for that. So it must have been in existence when God made the world. All right. The, so evil does not is not coterminous with creation, uh, with the material creation. It already existed uh, in the spiritual realm in this particular way. It's somehow uh, outside uh, our control. We know also that Satan now is regarded as the prince of the, of the world, prince of this world. So Satan has a status, an importance, which clearly cannot be the result of his sin. I mean, you cannot say that whatever Satan did, you see, however Satan rebelled against God, you can't really say that God rewarded him uh, for his disobedience by making him prince of this world. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Because, of course, if that were the case, then doing the wrong thing would, would, would obviously be beneficial. You know, I mean, if I'm a nobody, sort of walking the streets, uh, and so on, and then somebody says, well, if you go and rob a bank over there, you'll become president of the United States. The temptation to rob the bank could be overwhelming. Well, not now. I'm too old to want to be president of the United States. But, you know, you could imagine if you were young and ambitious, um, uh, you, you, might, uh, <laughs> you might be tempted by that. But it's clearly unfair. Now, I know there are some of you who will say that, well, that's how you get to be president of the United States. You know, you've got to do something wrong in order to get there. And maybe that's true. But, um, but this is not built into the system. It's not a, you know, high, uh, like privilege is not the result of, it's not a reward for wrongdoing, shall we say. So, so Satan, uh, cannot have got to where he is now because of his sin. You see, he must have been there already. And this, of course, uh, helps us perhaps to understand the nature of his sin, the nature of the problem. Because if Satan was prince of this world, if he was an, somehow an agent of God for, you know, for, the, for managing the world, before he sinned, this makes the nature of his sin more understandable. Because if you think to yourself, how did Satan lead Adam and Eve into sin? He did this by tempting them. So it's temptation. Now why does Satan do this? Well, presumably he was doing this. I think we can make a logical connection here. Because he thought it would work. 
And why did he think it would work? Because that's what he had done. You see, work for him, work for him, so why shouldn't it work for somebody else? Now, what is the nature of the temptation? The nature of the temptation, uh, you see, given to Adam and Eve was, if you eat of the tree of the, this tree over here, you will become like God. I mean, don't you want to become like God? What's wrong with becoming like God? If you preach in a church on a Sunday, don't you stand up and tell people to become more like God somehow? You know that this is supposed to be a, a, a noble aspiration. So why, uh, what's wrong with it? And of course, if you look at it like that, the answer is, well, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, the, 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 the trouble with Adam and Eve wasn't that they wanted the wrong thing, it's they wanted the right thing in the wrong way because God had told them not to do it. And, uh, you know, all right, I want to be like God, but if I want to be like God, I've got to, to want this in the way that, that, that God has ordained, not in my way, but in his way. I can't force God, I can't twist his arm, uh, you know, to make, make me like him, whether he wants to do this or not. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, can't push God um, uh, in, in, in that way. Now, if this is true, you see, of what Satan does, does to Adam and Eve, is this possibly what happened to him? That God had given him a great deal of responsibility within the creation, made him prince of, of, of the world, if you like, you know, somehow uh, put him in control of, of all of this. And Satan thought to himself, well, I've got so much power as it is. Do I really need God? And you know, is God necessary? I mean, is he, you know, why do I have to report back to him sort of thing? Can't I just run my own show? And of course you see this. This is a temptation that a lot of people fall into because you see this in companies, for instance. You know, if somebody uh, says to, to X person over here, um, well, you, this is your responsibility. You go and take this. You, know, you, you, you go and look after that and you know, run this aspect of the company. The temptation is that the person who's, who's given this responsibility thinks he can run the company without reference to, the head, head, to headquarters, you know, and then sort of takes, makes all kinds of decisions on his own, uh, does all sorts of things without actually referring back. And, uh, and if they go wrong or somebody says, who authorized you to do that? And he turns around and says, well, I thought you'd get, you delegated your authority, you know, and do this kind of thing. I said, well, yes, but not like that, uh, you know, not to sort of run away on your own. Um, then, of course, problems arise. And is this perhaps, I mean, this is a speculation, of course, but can we imagine this happening to Satan? That Satan wanted to be his own master, his own god, in effect. Um, and that this was the temptation, and this was, this was the nature of his fall, of his disobedience. Now, I say all of this, I think it's very important, because 
Satan was not deprived of his being when he disobeyed God. He was not diminished. He, was not, uh, he did not become defective in some way. How do we know this? Well, as an angel, as a spiritual creature, Satan was by nature immortal. And when he sinned, when he disobeyed, when he fell away from God, he did not cease to be immortal. This is why he's still around. If Satan had died as a result of his sin, we wouldn't have to bother with him now. You see, because he wouldn't be here. Now, of course, we are told that when Adam and Eve sinned, they died in consequence, as a consequence. And that therefore death came into the world because of sin. But what we have to remember is that death, came, death is not the same thing as mortality. Mortality is the ability to die, which is not the same thing as actually dying. I mean, you and I, for example, are mortal, but we are not dead. All right? And when Adam and Eve sinned, they did not become mortal. and die, the protection which their mortality had was removed and the death which, from which they were preserved in the Garden of Eden was allowed to take its course. Because of course Adam and Eve did not die immediately. I mean it wasn't as if they were struck dead you know, as soon as God appeared to them in the Garden. No. They went on living um, on earth, but eventually died, right? Because that was the consequence of their fall. That was something, we, you know, the protection which they had previously had was removed. Now, this is of vital importance to our understanding of salvation because, of course, when you and I become Christians, when we, or people become Christians, we are not, for that reason, removed from the power of death. In the sense that, our, you know, as human beings on earth, as temporal mortal beings, we still die. Right? And we need to understand this because you cannot make a one-to-one -one correspondence between sin and death. You can, I mean, sometimes you can, I suppose. I mean, if somebody, uh, for instance, uh, you know, um, 
goes in goes into a classroom and shoots everybody and then turns the gun on himself. Uh, I mean, in this case, I suppose death is the consequence of sin uh, fairly uh, directly. But for most people, it doesn't. It's not like that. You know, I mean, uh, you can sin either a little bit or a lot or whatever, and eventually you will die. But there is no immediate correspondence between the two. And this has always been a theological problem, because there are people who say, well, why not? You see, if death is the result of sin, if death has come into the world because of sin, Surely avoiding sin ought to be some kind of protection against death. And if it's protection against death, then it should also, of course, be protection against the causes of death, like disease or uh, you know, accidents or something like this. But the reality, of course, and the reality that we face even already in the Old Testament is that good people suffer and bad people sometimes don't. You know, uh, not everybody who, who is a criminal, uh, a crook and so on, uh, pays the price for it in this life. I mean, they may live a long time uh, and may get away with it as possible. Whereas, you know, other people who, who lead a basically decent life and have never really caused anybody any problem get terrible diseases and, you know, suffer a great deal uh, <laughs> and may die young. There's no one-to-one -one correspondence. Which means, of course, that you cannot look at somebody and say, uh, you know, oh yes, you've got rheumatoid, or, uh, rheumatoid arthritis because you sinned. You know, your, your condition, your physical condition, is the direct result of your sin. Now again, there may be cases where it is. You know, I mean, obviously, you can get yourself into in, into some very difficult situations, and this may by sinning, uh, and and there may be a connection, but it's not automatic. And this, of course, means that on the one hand, you can't blame people, and, and people did this for many, many centuries. You know, they believed, for instance, that me mentally ill people were possessed by the devil. We don't believe this. Uh, you know, we, this is not Christian teaching. But a lot of people did believe this for a long time, you know, uh, and, uh, and would look at somebody and say, if there's, there's something wrong with them, it's because they had sinned in some way or other. Um, you know, and Jesus was very strong on it. I mean, John chapter 9, when the Pharisees come and talk about the man who was born blind, and they ask, did this man sin, or was it his parents who sinned? Why is this man born blind? And Jesus had to say, it's nothing to do with that. You see? So uh, this is something deeply rooted in the human mind, uh, and we need, we need to, to uh, attack it very forcibly and say, no, that... Um, uh, human suffering and, and human death and so on um, are not directly linked with, with sin. Therefore, of course, they're not directly linked with salvation either. So that curing these things or avoiding them is not what salvation is. 
you know. I mean, if I go through life and say, well, you know, I've, I've reached the age of 65 or something and I've never had a day of illness and I've never been in hospital and so on, I must be okay in the sight of God. Uh, you know, I touch wood, I haven't done anything wrong. And there are lots of people like that. This is not an uncommon feeling. Uh, you have to say, no, 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 that's not right. Because your standing before God and the nature of sin and salvation has nothing to do with this. You know, uh, I mean, thank him, of course, if you've reached a certain age and you're still healthy and well and so on, be grateful. I mean, no one is saying you shouldn't do that. But don't say that this is some kind of proof of your innate goodness, you know, as a, as a human being. Don't say as many people do, uh, well, I don't really have to bother about repenting or going to church or doing anything like this because I'm okay. Uh, you know, look at me. I mean, I'm healthy, I'm well, I'm, I haven't got any real problems. Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't need to bother about this. You know, church and, and, and all that, oh, that's, that's for people in trouble. You know, if I was in trouble, I'd go to church and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd ask for help or that kind of thing. But I don't need to do that because there's nothing really wrong with me. Now, people who think like this, and there are lots of them, have completely missed the point. Uh, they, they simply don't understand or they're not prepared to admit what is either what is wrong with them, or with the human race, or what is needed to put it right. Conversely, of course, the other side is, um, I can't become a Christian in the hope of becoming healthy, or, or whatever, you know, escaping from from the common lot of humanity. Um, the so-called prosperity gospel is a lie. And that is another thing, you see. We cannot promise people this. You cannot say to people, you know, become a Christian and, and, every, and life will be, will be, you'll be happy ever after. Um, that's not true to the experience uh, uh, of, of the Bible. Uh, the book of Job, of course, exists to make this point. Uh, you know that uh, there's no entitlement, as it were, to a happy life uh, or, or, or to a good life. You may have that, you may be blessed with that. I'm not saying you should go out and deliberately look for trouble, no. Uh, but. Uh, you know, if, if something comes your way, I mean, if you develop a chronic illness or something like this, um, uh, you know, you, you can't sort of, you, you, have no, you, you aren't entitled to be delivered from this. I mustn't say to God, you know, like, why, why, why have you given me this? Um, you know, surely I, I, I haven't done anything to deserve this. Why, you know, if I believe in you and I'm willing to help, serve you and so on, shouldn't I be set free from this? Because God will say to me what he said to the Apostle Paul, you know, when Paul prayed that the thorn in his flesh should be taken away, 
and, and he prayed for this three times, and God said, no, uh, you know, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So uh, you don't pray for this, uh, you know, well, you can, but I mean, uh, be prepared for God to say, uh, no, this is my, part of my plan for you. Now, did this mean that Paul wasn't saved? Well, obviously not, you know. It's just that this is not, this is not what salvation is. Uh, all right, that, uh, that salvation is not to be equated with um, a happy, healthy life, necessarily. I mean, if you have that, fine, but that's not, there's not a one-to-one -one connection between these things. And, and we have to deal with this. We have to deal with this pastorally. People who, who think, uh, you know, all kinds of things. They think that either they've sinned and that's why they're suffering, or God has abandoned them, uh, or, uh, you know, there is no God, that God hates them, uh, and all kinds of things because they're in this position. I mean, it's not something we would wish on anybody, uh, these conditions. Uh, but we mustn't in any way make a one-to-one -one correspondence between you know, sin and salvation on the one hand and illness and good health on the other. Uh, I mean, they're not, they're not the same. Uh, okay? And I say this with some feeling, as I say, because it is a real problem uh, that, uh, that we face and, and uh, much more common than people think. Courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.